What's up, Twitter bots? Welcome back to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm watching the Bitcoin price. I mean, I'm Graham. How's Bitcoin looking? Dave, that's an irrelevant question. By the time this episode airs, it's going to change dramatically, so it doesn't matter. Good point. Today's episode is going to be short. It's been kind of a quiet week for Bitcoin news, and... Yeah, I'm sure an exchange is getting hacked quietly somewhere, but, you know, when it happens, we'll uh, report on it. Yesterday, we were on the Bitcoin Twitters, and basically all anyone's talking about is Justin Sun's Buffett Lunch. Ah, yes. The great Buffett Buffet. Here's what happened. Justin Sun, the founder of the cryptocurrency Tron, won a lunch with Warren Buffett through a charity auction. He bid four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight million dollars. Clever girl. And now Sun gets to invite seven friends to lunch with Buffett. This sounds like a setup to a really poor joke. Actually, it does. For newcomers less acquainted with Warren Buffett's stance on cryptocurrency, he called it rat poison last year. Here's a quick soundbite from an interview he did back in February. I'll ask this very fleetingly. Has your position changed on Bitcoin? Uh, no, I mean, it's too bad. But, but Bitcoin, it, it's ingenious and blockchain is important. But Bitcoin has no unique value at all. It doesn't produce anything. You can stare at it all day and no little Bitcoins come out or anything like that. It's, it's, it is a, it's, it's, a, it's a delusion, basically. <laughs> Bitcoin is a delusion, a collusion delusion. So today we thought this would be a fun topic to speculate on. Who's he going to bring to lunch? What's he going to wear? What are they going to eat? At what point does Buffett slap Sun in the face? Or at what point does Sun slap Buffett in the face? (gasps) But seriously, this is a heck of an opportunity. Sun's basically got a golden ticket. Will Wonka hand over the keys to the factory or will Justin Sun drown in the chocolate river? I don't know. Well, we may never know. Today, we're joined by our friend Tom Shaughnessy, co-founder at Delphi Digital and host of the Chain Reaction podcast. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. So to start, what are your initial thoughts of this whole Buffett lunch? Well, I mean, first off, I think it's great that people are bidding it up and all the money goes to charity. So I don't think we could knock that. Uh, I think that's always a good thing. I don't know about what, what you guys think in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, I mean, one thing you know. Obviously, we were thinking. You know how how is Justin going to come in there and talk to Buffett about Bitcoin? But I think that might be way too narrow of a thought. Like, it, it's hard to understand. You know, he says he said he's he's bringing friends from like across the blockchain industry. So it's hard to understand what they're really going to focus on, you know? Yeah. um, I mean, to be honest, I think Justin's probably the absolute worst person that we could possibly send. I mean, I think it would be hard to find a worse person to send to lunch or Buffett, but um, (laughs) you know, that's just my take. Yeah. um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, we need to send somebody that, you know, it's hard enough to understand crypto and, and respect, you know, the mountains that we're moving on, basically moving financial boundaries here. But I mean, we're sending a guy who the crypto community doesn't even respect. So it's kind of hard to judge whether or not he's going to make a difference with you know, the investing titan of our generation when we're sending somebody that nobody in crypto even has any respect for. Yeah. Um, like, can you, can, I, I know a little bit of his too, but like to go over his background. So he was born in 1990, which means he's a year older than me. Um, 
he has a lot more money than me. Tom, I'm going to assume he's got more money than you too. Uh, he, he definitely does. <laughs> so, you know, like what, what, what is generally just in the cryptocurrency community, uh, what do people have a problem with him about? Like Nick Carter tweeted this today in response to what's going on with the Buffett lunch. He said, Justin's son is a time traveling AI who was sent back by Voltaire to ruthlessly parody the cryptocurrency industry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love Nick's takes. They're insanely smart and they resonate with people. But, you know, I, I don't know if there's too much to go into with Justin because it's just, he just feels like kind of like a pump and dumpish type figure in the space. I mean, copy and pasted a lot of Ethereum code. Um, it seems like everything he does is for media and attention and not real building. Um, I mean, take your pick there by buying BitTorrent, by basically being the lead sponsor at Consensus this year with his weird pictures everywhere, um, or even um, just recently with the Buffett lunch. I mean, he's basically taking money that ICO investors gave him. He's spending $4.5 million on a lunch with Buffett. And in my opinion, the only reason he's doing that is to push up the price of, uh, of Tron itself. So I don't really know that. Um, I mean, you know, everybody has qualms with other founders in the space. Uh, you know, if the, you know, Vitalik gets a lot of flack, Vlad for their views on, on certain subjects, but you know, those are guys that are out there, you know, building and creating and innovating. Meanwhile, I feel like Justin is just, uh, you know, trolling Vitalik on, on Twitter all day and, and trying to be a pump and dump marketer on Twitter as well. Right. And, and Sun even said that he planned on bringing Vitalik and Litecoin founder Charlie Lee, which leads me to believe they might not even be talking about Bitcoin. Um, Warren Buffett's, you know, in his latest interview, I think what that was in February, Dave. Yeah. He said blockchain was important, but Bitcoin was a delusion. So I, I'm, I'm really curious as to whether they're even going to touch on Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, if I was Justin and, you know, yeah, everybody's a sales guy for their own platform. I mean, there's no reason why he wouldn't push Tron, but I mean, we want Buffett to understand Bitcoin here, right? I mean, everybody could have their own views on, on other projects, but I think it's really worthwhile for, to get, to give Buffett an understanding of what Bitcoin actually is. Um, and I don't think that we're going to get that across by sending the guy who's running a super highly centralized platform that that's copy and pasted. Uh, to the dinner, but it is reassuring that uh, Vitalik and Charlie Lee will be going because hopefully they could, uh, you know, share some insight. Graham, uh, didn't you pick up a little intel on on where they're going to be dining? <laughs> I did. Um, let's see. I'll find the link here. It's the Smith and Wilinski Steakhouse in New York, uh, which is a little. Wah, wah. I'm on the website right now and just like their tagline is a steakhouse to end all arguments. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> I was wow. really hoping it was going to be like red lobster. I would have died. I would have died. That would have been so funny. I thought they would have been at a uh, dairy queen or, or McDonald's. I mean, Buffett's known for loving those places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can at least imagine it's going to be a nice, uh, I mean, a steak might be a little bit too heavy for lunch, but it, it's going to be a nice lunch. It, it, uh, probably uh, maybe some like linguine and clams. Like I, I can only imagine. I'm probably never going to end up in a place like that. So I'll I imagine the steaks at that steakhouse probably weigh more than Justin's song anyway. So I, I don't know what, what he's going to eat. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so like actually getting, getting to the point here is uh, let's like forget what's going to happen and what Justin Sun's going to do with this opportunity and just like think about if you had the opportunity, if any of us had the opportunity to have a three hour lunch with Warren Buffett and we could bring seven friends who would we bring to convince the Buffett of Bitcoin's value? Yeah, I mean, um, just stepping back, I mean, I guess we have to think about, you know, who, we're, who our audience is here, right? And, and Buffett's obviously an investing titan, but he definitely thinks about things and, you know, cash flows and dividends and, you know, what he can buy out and, you know, fearless founders and, and things along that nature. So I think we really have to bring, or I would try and bring people who could kind of in a way, potentially, I know this is our three hours, but kind of re-architect his view on Bitcoin from being, you know, what he called rat poison to being like a foundational element in the global economy here. And, you know, I think it has to take somebody who could, you know, mentally move Buffett from, hey, this is a fraud or this is like some type of company to, hey, you know, this is the value that's going to flow within all of the businesses and, and the people of the future. And it's a really hard mental model to jump. And I, you know, I definitely think it's going to be hard over three hours, but I think we should focus on people that could, could drive that point home. Just like clear understanding with Buffett is he's one of the most successful investors ever. And he's also living at the end of the end of his life. So he's made his fortune. He's uh, he has no reason to seek out Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency project in order to, as an investing thing. So I think the whole idea, all of that, you know, is, is sort of off the table. So like, you know, what, what is it that would actually make Buffett want to get out of his comfort zone? Cause that's the other thing is that, is that he has like an area of competency and uh, where he knows a lot about particular subjects and he doesn't usually invest outside of that area. So, uh, like, I, yeah, I know that's, for one, that's a good point. Yeah, I know he's a, I mean, I think for the last 20 years, he's been, uh, he's pretty anti-gold. He, he, he basically, he just is not interested in it. So, kind of things he does invest in is like Coke, um, ice cream, you know, very tangible things that, you know, he, you can, you can pick up at the store. Yeah. You know, that's a really good point. I guess the question is like, are we actually going to be able to ever convince Buffett? And, you know, I think the answer is probably not, but I think that the best that we could probably do is, or the best that people at the lunch could do, whoever ends up going with, with son is hopefully planting the seed or the idea of like inception style of, you know, hey, this is interesting, this is happening, and it's not going away, and it's going to change a lot of things. So, you know, maybe that will lead Buffett to say, you know, when he's looking for people to take over, you know, maybe he'll be open to people who were, you know, a little more innovative in looking at the stuff. And look, I, I don't knock Buffett for having that circle of competence, you know, he always talks about. I think that's, you know, it's hard to stay within that. And he obviously is, is unbeaten there, and he's a legend. But um, I think the best we could do is kind of plant the seeds that, you know, Bitcoin and crypto is here to stay. And, and, and Tom, you have more of a, I want to say, uh, mainstream financial background. Graham and I, you know, <laughs> we, we're, we come from media. So I'd be interested. Could you just briefly explain sort of like your experience in finance and like how it got you here? 
Yeah, sure. So I went to Rutgers Business School and then I had a position as an equity research associate uh, at Oppenheimer on the cloud and communications team. So it was a lot of uh, white papers and tech, but you know, the nitty gritty was a lot of you know, normal models with DCFs and uh, valuation and multiples and you know, bottoms up approaches. Um, so a lot of modeling and you know, just the traditional kind of equity research and finance route. So you know, the models were really clear. You, know, you already had all of the frameworks in, in place and you could you know, make easy comparisons company to company or sector to sector. Um, and then, you know, individual analysts will get, you know, exotic on where they want to call plays and stuff like that. But, you know, I come from a normal traditional background. So uh, I wrote a hundred page blockchain white paper at my previous job. Um, and then I fell down the rabbit hole and I said, you know, I can't do this here. And I opened up 51% uh, crypto research and was just pumping out research every two weeks. And then uh, we merged that with Delphi Digital. And now I have four uh, amazing partners along with myself. Word. <laughs> Sorry if that was uh, really long. I feel like I have that down at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100 page blockchain uh, research white paper. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, no, it's nothing like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't creating code or anything like that. Just, you know, covering everything that, that happened to date. And uh, yeah, I got this, I got a similar response from, from the bank I was at at the time uh, because, you know, they didn't even want to cover it to begin with, but, you know, thank God I had a really progressive, uh, uh, analyst at the time that I was working for. So he was okay with it. Yeah. So I'm changing my, I'm changing my lunch friend list uh, to include Tom. <laughs> and you can bring your hundred page uh, paper. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to pass it around, but I'll slip you a copy. <laughs> Might be insider trading actually. <laughs> <laughs> Look guys, this is, I'm trying to have fun at this podcast. I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, nobody wants to go to jail here. Uh, so, so Tom, uh, this being the Bitcoin magazine podcast, we're talking about Bitcoin primarily, but I'm just curious, like, where does your, uh, where do you fall, uh, with, with blockchain, you know, blockchain has become, it's hit a lot of hurdles as far as like being adopted more widely. Where, what's your take since you've written a hundred page white paper on it? Yeah. I mean, you know, that was basically for their institutional clients, that white paper. So it wasn't, you know, like redoing code or anything crazy, like, you know, nowhere on the level of the people in the space. But um, yeah, I'm definitely not a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm not an ETH maximalist. I'm not a maximalist on anything. I'm definitely a tech maximalist. Uh, I love Bitcoin, own it. Um, I own Ethereum, Tezos, Decred, Maker, a bunch of others as well. Um, but I don't ever want to become a maximalist in anything. Um I think holding maximalist viewpoints, uh, if you hold a maximalist viewpoint in gold, you never would have bought Bitcoin, right? So I never want to be pigeonholed when it comes to tech or innovation, especially considering how fast it evolves and mutates. Uh, so while I think Bitcoin is amazing, um, I think you know Ethereum is the innovation playground for blockchain. And I don't think that's even disputed at this point with the number of devs working on it. Um, I think everything Tezos is doing is super interesting. Uh, Decred has numerous, you know, cool features and, and changes that they made to make that platform really interesting. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I like to, uh, the space is definitely not short on projects. I mean, there's hundreds of them and, you know, at Delphi, we cover uh, projects all the time. So uh, we get to see them all in real time. And, you know, I really want to be able to get involved with the entire landscape of the space. Right. Okay. So getting, getting to our list, our list of, uh, friends are super friends who we would call out to if we had the chance to have a lunch with Buffett. 
Tom, do you want to go first or I can go first or? Oh, I feel like there's definitely going to be some overlap. I mean, maybe we should go at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about, how about you do one and I'll do one. And then you Um, do one, I'll do one and then Graham goes. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, I probably start with uh, Pomp, Anthony Pompliano. Uh, He's on our board. Uh, He's institutional. He's, you know, investing in real enterprises that are actually building out use cases today. Uh, I believe Morgan Creek Digital invested in BlockFi, which is crushing it. I think they just put out a million dollars in interest yesterday. Uh, Lightning Labs, they have a bunch of other, but I feel like he has his ear to the ground on, you know, the actual companies and enterprises that aren't strictly token-based that are innovating and and building today. And the other thing about Pomp, as as anybody who deals with him knows, is uh, Pomp delivers and he closes. And I think that he would be able to uh, get his point across in a nice way. Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, I had Pomp on my list too, so I'll start with him. But, you know, I think a lot of people uh, might look at him in the industry and they might say, you know, like he doesn't have the full technical knowledge that, you know, some of these people really do about uh, what Bitcoin is. But, you know, I think when you're talking to Buffett, you're going to want somebody who can sit there and drive a really good argument and be persuasive and, Pomp, you know, he kind of, he has this position to where he, you know, he did a CNBC interview recently with uh, one of the Shark Tank guys, Kevin O'Leary. Um, he, the guy admitted to like uh, buying all of the alt- altcoins on Coinbase and lo- losing his money, which is like pretty <laughs> He lost $70. <laughs> but Pomp basically just ran circles around him. And, and uh, you know, yeah. I think... He taught, he does a podcast like almost every day. It seems like it's hard to imagine that he would not be somebody who would at least uh, help move the conversation forward. Yeah, totally. And you know, the other thing is, you know, given the nature of what he invests in, I think he's uniquely positioned to kind of bridge the gap between Bitcoin and enterprises and companies. And, you know, that's probably where Buffett is most interested in is, you know, how's BlockFi going to outperform or Lightning Labs or what have you. But if Pomp's able to tie in the Bitcoin use case there, which I think he can, and how it underpins all of those companies, I think he could do some damage at the launch. Well, I agree. I had Pomp on my list too. Uh, and you guys, you know, pretty much already said it all, but I agree he's institutional. And uh, I'm outside of Bitcoin and all the technical stuff. I've, I'm going to appeal to the human side of, of Warren Buffett, and and I think that Warren Buffett would see a younger version of himself in Pomp, and uh, he could play those strings, and he could, uh, and you know, it's like you said with that interview with Kevin O'Leary, like he he was level headed, he didn't lose his cool, and uh, he just kind of ran circles around him in a really professional manner, and uh, I think he's a great uh, ambassador for Bitcoin. Yeah, it just occurred to me too. I, I think uh, I heard a podcast where Pomp was talking and he admitted to loving McDonald's. So he and Buffett actually both love McDonald's cheeseburgers. That's uh, See, There you go. It's not about the technical stuff. It's about connecting over fast food. Exactly. Sell yourself. I, I think Pomp tweeted that out, that he goes there every week with his uh, with Polina or his girlfriend. I, I believe he tweeted that out. I, ho- I hope he did at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. We won't fact check it. We'll we'll just assume it's right. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's awesome. That's it's sells and it's it's human, right? It's authentic. Yeah. Uh, Tom, on on to your next one. I would probably send next up 
I'm going out of order a little bit here, but Dan Held, I would, I would send it. He posted uh, that lengthy report, but it's totally worth the read on uh, Bitcoin security is fine. But, you know, the, the real reason is uh, I had the pleasure of being in a conversation with him and a couple of others at uh, a meetup we went to a couple weeks ago or Coin Center dinner, whatever it was. And I won't give the names of who he's talking to, but his ability to kind of take the person's example of who didn't understand Bitcoin and Dan to put himself in that person's shoes and then argue it or explain it from that viewpoint was just awesome. So I definitely think Dan's somebody who's level-headed and, and he can really kind of explain Bitcoin in like a re-architected mental fashion for people. And I think that's pretty powerful. Uh, yeah, I had Dan on my list too. And uh, we actually spoke with him recently on, another, on an older episode of the show. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the thing that I like most about Dan is that he, he believes in, in capitalism and he believes in freedom. And that's sort of where he, he bases all of his beliefs. And I, I feel like Warren Buffett could relate to that. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree there. Yeah, so you guys want to hear uh, my, uh, my secret weapon? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, so, um, and I'm, I, I was not really as familiar about her until today. It's Abigail Johnson. She's the CEO of Fidelity Investments. So Abigail is somebody who is in the mainstream, in mainstream finance, who is showing interest in adoption of cryptocurrency already. She announced in 2015 that uh, Fidelity would start uh, mining Bitcoin. They've recently announced they're uh, offering a, is, I think it's a like a, a Bitcoin, I can't remember if it's a futures product or if it's a Bitcoin trading product, but. I mean, that's a great secret weapon. I, I didn't even see that one coming, but that is a really good good idea given how long Fidelity's been in the space. I think they've been mining since 2014. And then, you know, up until today with their institutional focus with custody and trading, I mean, that, that's a, that's a huge draw. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I, you know, I was thinking too, like, if you really were trying to think that Buffett could be convinced by the end of the lunch, you'd want to go with somebody who could actually like argue his perspectives and like actually move the conversation in a way that not everybody is in complete, uh, you know, like siloed agreement and Buffett is just sort of like having to just like tolerate them all talking at, him, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they don't really get that much time. I mean, it's, it says that he could bring, I, I saw conflicting reports reports. I'm reading a news article now and it says seven people with Justin's so that's what eight people total. And they only have three hours. So, I mean, minus all the back and forth and Buffett's questions in between. I mean, what do these guys have like 10 or 15 minutes each really? Yeah, yeah, and another point too uh, that Harrison Ballard, a coworker of ours, brought up is that you know, like if you really want to talk to Buffett and like make a connection with him, you're you're not going to want to have seven people. You're going to want to have you know like maybe three or four. He's totally. I couldn't agree more there. I mean, you got to do eight introductions like that. There, he sends a thirty-three percent of each person's fifteen minutes or twenty minutes. So you're totally right there. It's just like a waste of time at that point. Okay, so Tom, who's the next one on your list? Um, tough one, but I'd probably go Nick Carter. Uh, just excellent at dispelling FUD. Uh, obviously, founded Coinmetrics, so he definitely has the analytical backing to discuss it. Doubt it would, the conversation would go there, but he also has Castle Island Ventures, so he can discuss a lot on the investing side. 
But um, I don't know. I just feel like um, he's able to kind of go back and forth with anybody and he's very open to ideas and issues and problems and is happy to explore and learn more. And uh, all my interactions with him have been, you know, great and really personable. So I think he could definitely do some damage, especially given his, you know, insane amount of knowledge about Bitcoin as well. Right on. I, I can't really speak to Nick Carter as much. I, I'm, I love his tweets, but I'm not as familiar with his work. But I mean, by all that accounts, it's, it sounds like he'd be a good analytics person too, because that's sort of what, what, we're, what we're missing in the conversation about the people we're talking about is, is somebody who can, who can actually like talk about the data. Yeah, I, I think Nick, Nick could definitely go in depth on the data, but I, I think probably his selling point is that he knows not what not to get lost on. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he's would be well-versed in, you know, not going down some ultra technical routes that really wouldn't provide any value to Buffett. I, I think that he can answer Buffett's questions and he's done enough research that he could zoom out in a good way. So the next two I had are sort of like uh, by the same reason. So, so Buffett, uh, it's well known that he spends about two hours every day uh, reading He's basically just reading any kind of investment stuff, what companies are doing. He reads papers mostly. I, so I think if you can get Buffett curious to read something, once he gets sort of like an interest that way, he would, he would be more, more obliging to not only hear what they're saying, but to look, look into it in his own time. So uh, the first person I, I brought up for that was, Savadine Amos, who he, he read the Bitcoin standard. Um, and in my opinion, that's just the simplest, best explanation for what Bitcoin is in an economic uh, way. And uh, I don't know if you guys have read the Bitcoin standard. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to read. You're right. I think that he would definitely enjoy reading it. I'm just wondering. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I feel like the space is so podcast driven. I forget people read books right but um, i don't know i mean uh the bitcoin center is obviously great to send um but you know another idea that we could hit them with even is um just get like the top medium posts out there you know throw in a couple of white papers and maybe some podcast transcripts and i think you could really do some damage in, in two hours of reading time too and then and then to add to that uh another person who comes at uh bitcoin with a completely different angle is alex gladstein he works for the uh, HHF, I think it is. I can't. I cannot think of what it's called. I, th- I think it's HRF. HRF. Yeah, the Human Rights Foundation. I, th- I think it's a yeah, nonprofit. The, yeah, the Human Rights Foundation. Um, and he also and and they also do the Oslo Freedom Forum, which I went to back in September. And Alex uh, sees a big use case in uh, how foreign aid can be helped by cryptocurrency. Um, in a lot of ways, he's looking at like remittance payments. He also is looking at, you know, the, the anti-censorship uh, nature of cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin. So I think like, you know, if you do talk to Buffett about, if you show him like Venezuela, things like that, I, I'm sure he's already, already heard of it, but it's a, way, it's a way to get his interest in another direction as opposed to just talking about sort of like the traditional enterprise business use cases. No, that's Alex is a great addition. That's, that's a great call, especially given his foreign aid work. Um, you know, I was thinking over who I would bring and I was thinking like, you know, why don't we get somebody from Venezuela to kind of drive home? That's, you know, use Bitcoin 
to kind of drive home, you know, how destructive horrible monetary policies could be, but you know, and insane inflation, but I just don't know how valuable it would be with, with how many other people you could bring, you know? Right. For sure. For sure. And, and uh, so Alex has re- written this like New York times article, basically explaining Bitcoin's use for foreign aid. So that, I mean, the idea there is that maybe like he would, they would be able to share that beforehand or he could tell them about it. Um, they could at least mention it. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so those are my two, my, my two writers that I, I uh, recommend. Right. Well, since you chose two, I'm going to pick two, and it's the Winklevoss twins. Ooh. I, yeah, um, they're huge cryptocurrency and blockchain um, advocates, and I think with their connection to Facebook and you know all the investment stuff that they do, I think that they would be well-fitted to sit at that table. Uh, and going back to what you said, like having more of a small council-type meeting, Game of Thrones reference there. Uh, I think those two with another couple of big hitters like Dan and Pomp would just like knock it out of the park. Yeah, the, that's a really good point, the Winklevoss twins. I didn't think of them originally, but I think that's a great call because they're not only well-versed on crypto, obviously everything with Gemini, but they're right. obviously really well-versed on the tech connection. And the other thing is they're both polished and they can probably talk to Pomp on, on his field. Yes, I agree. Uh, and then uh, I was just kind of having fun with this and I was, you know, sort of thinking about the fact that actually convincing Buffett uh, that Bitcoin is, is something worth paying attention to might not happen. So in that scenario, I was thinking, you know, maybe this would be just one big media boon. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is not going to be televised. But if it is televised, I would really like to see uh, John McAfee. <laughs> on there just having lunch with them just eating steak with buffett <laughs> i mean would john mcafee go drugged up or would he be normal you know it's, it's always a, a question mark right i i, I would want i would want full full-on <laughs> <laughs> he's like cutting his steak with a big rambo knife <laughs> firing off a few warning shots yeah just to announce his arrival yeah, yeah. McAfee, and obviously, yeah. obviously, if it's not going to be televised, McAfee is probably the last person I would want to be at that lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's true. It might go off the rails, but okay, it would be so, entertaining. So, Tom, uh, do you, uh, who, who are the rest of your people? Yeah, I'm torn between um, Ari Paul, who I think does – probably an unmatched job on his tweet threads on Twitter. Obviously all his work through block tower is incredible, but his ability to link like really complex financial, you know, ideas like options and and all and reflexivity and all that stuff back to crypto and Bitcoin, I think is really powerful. So I think he would definitely be a really good financial type Bitcoin ish link uh, for Buffett as well. And he's also, you know, well-versed and polished. And I think that he could definitely, he would definitely prepare and, and know what he's going to say at that lunch before he walked in the door. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I think the idea of actually synthesizing that would actually be trying to take the technical aspects and make it try and help Buffett understand it, which is like, you know, it's a, it's definitely a worthy attempt as worthy as any, the other things we're speculating on. Yeah. And I mean, he's, you know, he's raised a, you know, he raised a large fund and, you know, his investors are from USV and Andreessen Horowitz and stuff like that. And, you know, he has a, he has a really great blog. If you haven't been on there, 
Um, you know, he's written about governance and, and all types of topics in a really understandable way. So if we were going to send Buffett anything to read, I would definitely send him probably Ari's last five blog posts. Tom, last one on the list. Last one on the list, I'd probably send Murad. I think that's probably on one of your guys' lists too, right? Yeah, yeah, I had Murad. Yeah, um, obviously uh, talk to Murad a lot on Telegram and stuff like that, but um, you know, he's known for his, you know, crazy charts that are, that are great on Twitter. Um, I'm not a TA guy. I don't understand most of it, but what I do think Murad could do damage on is the, it's not the institutional, but the global macro argument for Bitcoin. And he's done a really good job with that on circling back here, Pomp's podcast, where I think it's, I think the title is even, uh, the ultimate case for Bitcoin or, or something along those lines. But, you know, just zooming out from Venezuela, talking about Bitcoin on a macro scale, I, I think that could really resonate with Buffett and kind of hopefully change his thinking if he's thinking about this as you know a company or a scam to you know something greater and the real store of value of the future here. Yeah, um, I don't follow Murad a lot, but from the, some of the stuff I do see, um, it, a lot of it gets back to uh, the importance of scarcity. Dean also does this in, in his book. It's it's like that root thing that you can explain to anybody for what has value and what doesn't. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Um, you know, one of the other things I like to think about, I mean, scarcity is huge. It's an easy selling point. It's easy to understand. Uh, my partner, Kevin Kelly, uh, just wrote the institutional case for crypto and Bitcoin uh, on our site for our members. And, you know, what he did in a really great manner was he kind of just walked through all the issues with what we have today with pension plans being underfunded and central banks and inflation and, you know, QE and, and everything. And he makes a really good, uh, you know, zoomed out case for why Bitcoin could work. So anything along those lines, the macro or the global argument, I, I think somebody with that footing should be at the table. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm going to keep my, cut my list off there um, just with the understanding that it's really uh it's hard to assume that uh, that they would have enough time to add more people. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But if there's more time, um, I, I'd have to say uh, BTC CEO David Bailey. If you uh, like, like his mom, if you get David uh, actually going, if you get him actually talking about uh, always Bitcoin, but pretty much anything, he's he's a very um, He's very smart. His background is microfinance um, and he knows this stuff in and out. You know, he is probably the guy who, who has started most of my understanding and like beliefs in that Bitcoin is something that can work. So I, I would definitely point to David. Yeah, that, that's a great call. And, you know, just a side note before we close out, I would love to see somebody just send Buffett Bitcoin, give him a wallet. What's, uh, you know, what's seven or eight grand to somebody when you could, you know, even press release it or, you know, just to show him and get him involved with it. That could be really powerful if they're able to do that at the lunch. I agree. Yeah. I had David on my list too. He's, uh, he's been around since the beginning and um, he just really wants to drive the conversation of Bitcoin and, and make it fun again. And I think that's really important right now when you look at Bitcoin Twitter and people are, so there's just sort of this civil war going on and it's, you know, we need to have sort of a, a, a real community in one narrative. And uh, I think he's, he's a good guy to have at that table. Totally. 
Um, I have a question for you guys. Uh, outside of uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin people, um, who who would who's your guest, dead or alive, that you'd like to throw in there? I'll let you guys go first. <laughs> David Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> for even, someone who doesn't even know what the internet is, that that would be great. I don't. He would get along well with Buffett. I think it would be a you know Buffett would probably have a good time of it, and uh, I don't think any explain it more than that. <laughs> hey, you know that's a tough one. I would. Uh, I'd probably send Hal Finney. Yeah, Hal Finney. <laughs> but nice. I mean, that's Bitcoin. You know, I don't know, but uh, you know, not really outside Bitcoin. But uh, that's who I just automatically think of. Graham, I'm looking at your list right now. Yeah. You like it? <laughs> okay, I, went off, okay. I went off the rails a little bit with my list. Okay. Uh, explain it. Okay. So I, I wrote Mike Tyson down because <laughs> <laughs> Mike Tyson did partner with Bitcoin Direct and, and launched some Bitcoin ATMs in Vegas back in 2015. And I just think Mike Tyson's really funny. And it would be funny to see him in that conversation. Um. And then I wrote Batman just because Batman's rich and I feel like Batman would get Bitcoin and, and he would own a lot of it. Which Batman though? Are we talking Christian Bale or who are we talking here? Man, I wasn't even thinking actors. Uh, I was thinking comic book, but if I had to go with an actor, uh, I'm going to go with Michael Keaton, Batman. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. I can't argue there. <laughs> I just love the dark Knight, and, uh, you know, I thought that was great, but I get it. I can totally see one, like one of these future Batman movies having something to do with like cyber criminals and like cryptocurrencies. Yeah, hopefully like, it's not Ben Affleck like, though. He was a horrible Batman. Isn't Robert Pattinson the new Batman? I think so. Yeah. There's already a new Batman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they ruined it. The, the the third Batman movie with Christian Bale where Robin swings into the uh, the layer. They should have just kept it going. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think Robert Pattinson would be a great Batman. But, you know, I was talking to my buddies about this, and it really all depends on how DC approaches these next few movies because they have just been turning out shit. Yeah, Marvel's not making it easy. I mean, Marvel's doing a billion dollars a movie out here. Yeah, well, now that they kind of wrapped up their universe with Endgame, uh, DC has kind of an opportunity here to, to reset what they've done. (laughs) <laughs> count their sins <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see i mean it's hard to go from twilight to batman but we'll see if pattinson can pull it off right <laughs> yeah well you got to respect the guy he hasn't really done well let me let me rephrase that since the twilight movies he's pretty much only done projects that he wants to do yeah I, i'm kind of like a movie buff but i i really did like his movie good time i think it came out two or three years ago that yeah was that, was a, that was a good flick i like that one yeah Anyway, off the rails. Like, let's just put Robert Pattinson at the table. Why not? All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get him to the list. And you also had our uh, coworker, Mikey Tyberg. Oh, yeah. Um, Michael Tyberg, uh, he works with us at BTC Media. And to me, like, I, I got into this space about a year ago. And I just found it really interesting. And, you know, I'm like you, Tom. I'm not, like, a crazy maximalist on anything either. Um, but when I ask this guy that I work with, Michael Tyber, just, you know, like, what, what is this thing? Like, what is it all about? Help me understand it. To me, he represents the new age. He represents what young people are going to be saying everywhere in another 10 years. Scary, and, right? 
yeah, it's scary, but he does it in a way that, that helps you understand it and not be uh, as scared of it. Yeah, no, I, when I meet people like that, I love it because it's, you know, the reason I own Bitcoin and the reason I'm in the space, I love the macro argument for it. I love the scarcity. I love proof of work. I, I like all of the aspects of it, but you know, there's just, it's easy um, to kind of forget about that. And when you meet people that kind of bring that to the surface again, especially younger people, it, it's great to see. It's pretty cool. It's going to be a crazy wild ride in the next 10 years, guys. Yep. Yeah, I know. I wonder who's going to, who's going to bid on Buffett's uh, lunch next year. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> hey, maybe it'll be us. <laughs> maybe maybe Justin's son is is setting a trend and we'll just will cost Warren Buffett for the rest of his life at a lunch every year. Uh I mean he annoys the hell out of Vitalik to begin with. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts tweeting at Buffett every day. Yeah. <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. You guys think we're gonna see any uh Buffett uh son billboards come up? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past the Tron marketing team. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> They'll do anything for a view. <laughs> well, anyway, Tom, thanks for getting on the show with us and just speculating. We'd love to have you back on some other time, but you've got another show to record, so we'll let you go. Yeah, guys, it's been, uh, it's been awesome and fun, and literally whenever you want, just text me. I'll come on. Right on. Thanks, Tom. See you guys around. See you, buddy. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is a BTC media produced podcast on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. It was produced and edited by Graham and myself. Theme music provided by Billy Sly from the Crypto Cantina. Special thanks to our guests, Tom Shaughnessy and Satoshi Nakamoto. We are eternally grateful. Visit BitcoinMagazine.com for more in-depth news, analysis, and resources about the most successful peer-to-peer currency. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin Magazine. You can find more engaging crypto podcasts over at Let'sTalkBitcoin.com and can follow them on Twitter at the LTB Network for all the latest episodes. Be sure to subscribe to the show on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you get the time, please leave us a review. It really helps us improve the show and reach new listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.